The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton, in for Susan Littlefield today, and we're talking on the phone with Sue Martin of Ag Investment, Clarion, Iowa. Sue, thank you for being able to join us today, and a good day to talk the markets as our grains ending well within the green here. Let's kind of talk about this front runner here so far this week. That has been the wheat market, really seeing some strong gains both across the Chicago, Kansas City, even over on the Minneapolis contracts as well. What is continuing to feed the bull here? Well, the wheat market is uh, being fed. Um, we, you know, we had a nice, healthy correction, and uh, wheat has the bull story underneath it. Uh, the weather forecast on the European uh, model continues to portray very hot and dry conditions in uh, Australia, one of our major competitors, going into early October, and then uh, Romania. Um, or Russia, I should, I should say, is dealing with uh, dryness as well as they're trying to plant their hard red winter wheat. And then you've got um, dryness going on in northeastern Germany and in uh, France. And both of those areas are the major producers for uh, uh, wheat out of Europe, out of the European Union. So uh, it continues to add support to the market. And so global prices are on the uptick, and that, too, is helping the U.S. uh, currency, or not the currency, but the market, U.S. wheat, to push higher. And it's, you know, yesterday the um, uh, Russian ag minister came out and stated they lowered the uh, export number on wheat uh, to fit 30 million metric tons, and the USDA currently is at 35 million metric tons. So the USDA, WASD, continues to be a little bit overly optimistic about our competition. And so it just means that it's a matter of time here, uh, not very long, and we should be seeing some pretty good demand hit the U.S. market. And so that's, uh, we, we thought wheat had ran itself out. Uh, we basically a close over the 517 area basis, uh, December Chicago wheat. Uh, sets us up for a, a nice breakthrough, uh, the downtrending line from August. And um, so we've got some positivity here for this market. Now, Sue, when we talk about the Chicago-Kansas City wheat markets, typically there's a spread in there, and Kansas City really is hovering just pennies above a lot of the Chicago wheat contracts. Could we expect to see that gap widen? It should widen. Um, the Casey uh, wheat I remember the days when Casey Wheat would be 80 cents over, and we haven't seen that in years. Um, maybe some of the uh, changing of um, the, um, how do I want to say it, the specifications for wheat might have helped that a little bit. But um, I, I think uh, when we look at the wheat, one thing that's held the Casey Wheat back a little bit is that you had seen some pretty nice rains through August into early September in Kansas and Oklahoma. Uh, but those areas now have been dealing with heat, and I mean high heat, over the past, well, week. And so that's kind of extracting some of that moisture out of the soil, uh, but they're getting ready to plant winter wheat. So hopefully their subsoil's holding it together because they don't have quite the uh, heavy soil that we do. 
Now let's move and change subjects now over onto soybeans. They also had a tremendous day, truly, in terms of daily gain, had the biggest points put on the board of the grains. As we see here, was that a main support from the strong meal market we saw today? Uh, well, soy meal was stronger, and when you get a good day in soy meal, it's always going to be much better for your bean market. Beans don't rally with soybean oil quite like they do with soy meal, and so that was a positive. But we also had China uh, reportedly securing four to five cargoes of Argentine soybeans overnight, and then turning around and seeing Argentina booking three to four cargoes of U.S. beans. So they can bring them in from us. The farmer there is not being taxed for those beans, but then they're turned around and they're probably, as they have exported out of their coffers, they're filling their coffers back with U.S. beans so they can keep their crush going. Because Argentina is the world's largest processor and exporter of soy meal. And so um, that's not surprising that they're doing that. And Brazilian beans are running about $2.5 over the price of U.S. soybeans. So it's cheaper for them to go to Argentina, and then, of course, Argentina turns around and and buys from us. So uh, you look at Argentine beans, and they're offered at around $1.95 over because, you know, they did go through a weather issue this year. And farmers, because of the high inflation rate, is hanging on to those beans because if they're going to sell something, they're going to sell wheat or corn to get cash right now, even though there's been taxation added back on to those two commodities, the taxation's not as high as it is on soybeans. So they're going to hang on to their beans as a hedge against inflation, and it's always been that beans are kind of a speculative uh, speculative market and one that you will see various countries use as a hedge against inflation. But so consequently, Argentine beans saved them about 60 cents a bushel over uh, Brazilian beans. Now, unfortunately, corn today, it really, it did see, it was able to end in the green, but it didn't really see a whole lot of volatility or action to really get it swinging quite like the wheat and soybean markets. Are we starting to see harvest pressure start to come in on this market? Well, there is. There is harvest pressure coming in on both beans and corn, but with the rains going through that we've got that seem pretty widespread, um, I think that has kind of pulled some hedge pressure off. And so that lifted the corn market too, and the support shelves are around three. Um, they were three forty-five, and then it was three forty. Well, we got down to forty-two and a half, and uh, so I think corn it dragged for a little bit, and then it managed to turn around and get some enthusiasm right into the close because of the rally in beans. Again, we're talking with Sue Martin of Ag and Investment, Clarion, Iowa, here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. We've talked grains thus far, but we still have livestock, and what are your marketing strategies? Keep listening to the Rural Radio Network and the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton, in for Susan Littlefield today. And as we're talking again with Sue Martin, Ag and Investment, Clary in Iowa. Sue, thanks again for joining us. In our last segment, we talked a lot about corn, wheat, and soybeans. I have one follow-up question, though, as we get this segment started. And that is talking about looking forward at planting and acres, where we might see some shifts there. Wheat, guys are looking at planting that Kansas City hard red winter wheat right now. Do you, do you see a possible uptick in the number of wheat acres? Yes, I do. Um, we have to keep in mind that the hard red winter wheat acres actually took a back seat uh, for two years in a row. And, of course, the lowest acres since, what, 1904 or something like that. So 
you know, it's kind of wore itself out. And now this year, because of the issues in weather around the world and also, you know, the last couple of years having issues in wheat, um, the thought is that we will see an increase in acres. And I think one of the driving factors for that is the crop insurance. The guarantee price is much greater this year for 2018-19. And so I think that's going to be enticing for them to plant wheat And then they might be able to come back and put another crop in behind. But if they've got crop insurance, they probably are going to stick with that. Again, we're talking with Sue Martin. And, Sue, we've talked a lot of grains. Let's switch gears now and switch over to livestock. Cattle, another day of sideways trade. The ranges here the past couple weeks have not been very big. Is this starting to sour this market somewhat where we could see a potential sell-off? Well, I think we could have a little bit of a hint of of kind of catch-your-breath moment here. Um, The cattle market, you know, the cash market's been very strong. We had a strong ending last week on the cash market. And here, you know, this week, uh, very light trade to start with. I think we'll see a steady cash market this week. Um, I don't think it'll be higher, but I think it could be steady. The one thing that I think we need to keep in mind is is that the market has been pushing very nicely. And when I look at feeder cattle, I would not be shocked at all to see a contract, a lead contract, go for 160, 161. We've already had October feeders up around 159.85. So it's been right against the 160 level, but there's a 200-week moving average right around 161 maybe 161.10, something like that. And I I think that's the next ledge that we're going to go after. And we haven't been at that level since, uh, I want to say, November of 2015, something like that. So it's been quite some time. So I think the market's got the fundamental base underneath it. Feeders are high-priced. You know, in the live market, you've got uh, producers, um, feedlots, being a little tougher to deal with mainly because they know the replacement cost is going to be so much higher. And corn is cheap. Corn is dirt cheap. And so they're just feeding the cattle if the packer wants them because there is good demand for beef. Exports remain quite healthy. Um, If they want them, they're going to have to bid for them. And so right now, we're starting this week. We're into midweek now, and it's been very quiet trade. And each day, we're trying to pull back. Uh, and break back Monday, Tuesday, and today, and yet we turn around and we just trade both sides of the close. And and you know Monday's volume was quite heavy. Last Friday's volume was awesome, almost the highest of the year. And so I think that's also maybe got some thinking we could be edging in a little bit of a high here. Um, but uh, you know today's volume was extremely quiet and light. But we managed to pull off a lower close uh, in the feeders, but not by much. 30 points on September feeders, 15 points on Octobers, and 10 lower on Novembers. That's If you're going to break a market back, that is a pittance of a way to break it back. I mean, that's like the cat's meow for someone who wants to be friendly. Um, on the fats, I think that uh, here again, it's almost more of a, a spread action, but the market's just very quiet waiting for some trade. Then over on the hog side, it's been yesterday, of course, strong gains up there, especially on the front months. Today we see a little bit of that dynamic shake up. Are we still just trying to get through what is actually happening on the East Coast and the aftermath of Hurricane Florence? 
You know, what happened on the East Coast, first off, the North Carolina produces a lot of hogs and processes a lot of hogs. And I wondered how in the world it could not be uh, true because of the fact that the rains were so heavy. And my understanding is at least the last I heard, seven of them were compromised. Estimate is around 5,500 head of hogs drowned. And I suspect they're going to find more than that as these waters recede. Sue, for folks that are listening to our conversation today, they want to talk to you more about their own marketing strategy. What is the best way to get in touch? Well, our number is 1-800-527-0051, and you all have a great rest of the week. Again, that's Sue Martin, Ag and Investment, Clary in Iowa, talking with us in a variety of markets and market factors that are influencing things right now. Sue, thank you for the great conversation. You can find a podcast of the Fontenelle Final Bell later on on our website, ruralradio.com, as well as on our various social media sites of Facebook and Twitter. When you want the latest in ag news and market information, make it the Rural Radio Network and the Fontenelle Final Bell. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.